Hi, and welcome to Whole Heart Transformation. I am Melissa Alguera, your personal identity life coach. Let's go to the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. Well, we just finished the Christmas season and getting ready to go into the new year. I thought it would be really good to talk about something that's always in my mind, in my heart when I'm doing my coaching, but also just in my personal life. And that's about how our pain and our trauma and our grief, it all passes down to the generations that are after us. And it seems like we spend a lot of time hiding from our own pain, grief, and trauma that we think that it just disappears, like, right? Like it just goes away. Or if we don't deal with it, then it's not hurting anybody. It's not, it's not going to hurt much more than what it's already done to me. I don't know. Like there's just all these justifications that we have for not dealing with our pain or our trauma and grief. And so I wanted to give you a little bit of insight today about how that is super false. <laughs> Actually, if you don't deal with your pain, grief, and trauma, you're going to pass it to the generations after you. And how do I know? Because you yourself have pain, pain, grief, and trauma that's passed to you. One of the situations I've been really considering recently um, is about some of the stuff in my own childhood that I think was passed to me. And, you know, of course, for many, many generations, our parents, the parents before them, you know, they didn't have brain scans to know how trauma and pain and unprocessed grief I don't know why I'm struggling to say pain today. I'm I'm really struggling to say that <laughs> for some reason. But you know how this stuff passes down to us and how it passed down to them. There was no brain scans to show that that was actually a thing. And now we can see in brain scans and even through, you know, epigenetics now, we can actually notice and see that trauma, pain and grief passed down through the bloodline. And I'm talking about just from like a scientific perspective. I'm not even talking about from, you know, a spiritual perspective. And the really hard thing is, you know, most of us that are are living, you know, between you know, our 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, we're just now seeing the ripple effect of that from many generations. And I was kind of thinking about this because, so when I was a kid, I could not, I was so scared of the dark. And I'm not saying like a lot of kids are scared of the dark, but here's where I started to get thinking. So when I was little, I mean, and even up until probably like 16, I was really scared of the dark. And I always felt like there was someone coming to get me. I, I didn't feel safe for some reason. And so often when I was little, I would go and sleep in my parents' room and I would, you know, my parents would have a little bed on the floor for me and I would just go and I would sleep in there. And so, you know, I 
I don't know. We didn't, we didn't do much about that. Like we, they just had me sleep on the floor and you know, that was it. It was just kind of like, okay, well, you're scared. Just go sleep on the floor. Well, here's where I started to get thinking. So my son started doing the same thing. Exactly. Now I have currently my daughter is 11 and my son is four and my daughter, I don't even, I don't even think that girl ever came in my room for fear of the dark. Like she, she didn't have that problem. And so I, I would have never thought, oh, this is something that was being passed down generationally. And so then as my son started coming in and I started noticing these things in him, I was like, okay, what in the world is this? And then I had this thought, you know, um, my mom had had some stuff happen to her when she was little in the dark. And I don't, you know, I don't think that that was ever processed. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like the trauma that she had passed down to me and my son and not even knowing, just not even knowing. And here's a couple interesting little fun facts for you. So my blood type is a negative. My husband is AB positive. My daughter's AB positive and my son is B positive. So it's really interesting how we all have different blood types. And in a lot of ways, my daughter is a lot like my husband and a lot of ways my son is like me. And I was just thinking like, I wonder if part of the genetic code, sorry, I'm getting a little nerdy here with scientific stuff. And, and this is just me processing a little bit here, but you know, I wonder if, because the genetics are a little bit different with this and I might be saying this wrong. So if you are a scientist or a rocket scientist or whoever, uh, maybe I'm getting it wrong, but I, but I'm just thinking out loud. Okay. But like, I feel like there's something to it that with, you know, him having a different blood type too, and then also me having this different blood type. And it's like, I'm wondering if there's something differently genetically. And so I've heard of like stories of like, you know, some people you, know, you have like, like, if you have like, you know, two different children in the house and one becomes an addict and one doesn't, it's because there's a different type of genetic code in that person's body. And I think I'm pretty sure now there, I think that when you, with kids and, and don't quote me on this, maybe go look it up for yourself, but with kids, if you did like a blood if you did a blood test to see um, how much, you know, of let's say like for me, I'm Polish, I'm I'm uh, Ukrainian, and I'm Indian, and then I don't I don't know what my mom is. Okay, so she's probably like Irish or something. That that's what it looks like to me. And my daughter and my son have like re have always had reddish hair with freckles. So with that being said, I'm just wondering like, can you have differences in the amount of each race that's in your blood, like maybe one child has more and another child has less or something like that. And I, and I don't know if that's 100% factual, so maybe look that up, but I'm just thinking how we're designed is so different that it does show up differently when there is trauma and pain or any sort of grief that's unprocessed that each person deals with that differently. And it's not even on a conscious level, it's on like a biological level. And so with that being said, I, I was processing this with my husband and I'm like, I think, I think my son 
is dealing with epigenetics and a spiritual factor. Because I had this problem, my daughter didn't, and now my son does. Oh, and oh, I just got an epiphany while I'm thinking about this. I'm the youngest and my son is the youngest too. So I don't know if that has something to do with it and I won't be having any more kids. So with that being said, that might be a factor in also the pain and trauma that is being passed down. Okay, then now let's talk about a spiritual factor. So let's say spiritually, there is stuff that is passed down. If we're looking at it from a biblical perspective, this passes down. Um, if you've ever done any um, studying in demonology, you know, you would understand like there's certain rights that demons have to generations because of sins and unprocessed stuff. They just have rights and open doors. So with that being said, you know, there was, there was this point where I said to my husband, I just feel like we need to, we need to like pray over him. And so we did. And we've been doing the same thing every night for the last, I think it's like four nights. And the last four nights, he's completely slept on his own. He's had no issues and it's been pretty amazing. And so with all that being said, I'm like, okay, like there's something to this. He didn't just out of three months where he's been coming in my room every single night, we've had to have the little blanket pillow thing on the floor for him every single night. Out of nowhere, he didn't just stop doing that. No, we actually said a prayer, a specific prayer over him, a spiritual prayer and a, well, obviously prayer is spiritual, but any, any demonic thing that might be there, we prayed against that. We anointed him with oil. Um, and, and then also, you know, just recognizing, huh? Like, I wonder if it's some sort of genetical thing as well, trauma passing down. And so, yeah, I like, I've been thinking about this because it is something that I see a lot with my clients as well. So like, we'll all have like one client who will say, you know, such and such happened to their dad and then they ended up doing the same thing. And you, and you ever wonder, like, when you said to yourself, I won't do what my parents did, but you end up doing the same thing. This is one of those situations because you're doing the same thing because it's unprocessed trauma and it's, and it's not healed and it's unprocessed pain and trauma and grief that is not healed. Or maybe there's a spiritual element to it as well. And that's why we do it. And we can consciously all day long say to ourselves, oh, I won't, I won't do that again. And yet you find yourself doing that again because your brain and your body are just operating from the subconscious. It's not actually something that you're consciously choosing to do. I mean, of course, none of us would consciously choose to pass pain and trauma down to our kids. And what about unprocessed grief? So I love talking about grief. I don't know why grief is like the big thing for me. No, I do know why. <laughs> it's because when I was, you know, 11, I had trauma and I never got to process that. There was so much loss for me at 11. Relational loss, loss of self, innocence loss, uh, connection loss. There was so much loss and I had no concept of how to process that because it wasn't allowed. And because it wasn't allowed, it got stored in my body. And then it got stored in my body as anger, 
towards self, anger towards others. And then it just became like a disconnected anger. Like I, I would just be, have like, like full on rage and totally disconnected from it. No control, almost like an outer body experience. And, you know, seriously, I'm lucky that I've been able to do several years of work now to work through that anger. Because if you've ever had anger that feels completely out of control, out of your control, and it feels like it's all consuming and takes you over, you know that that's not something that you want. Like you don't want that. You want to be, you know, in a space of peace and calm. And I remember when I started to really get in touch with what was causing the anger to be so big. And I realized it was when I had unprocessed grief. And that took me several years. It's still in process, you know, but I, I do notice now when I start to escalate. And it's so funny, we were sitting in the car the other day. I don't know, what did my husband say to me? He said something to me. And I could feel the anger kind of rising. It was more of annoyance. And I could say, I feel annoyed instead of, you know, pushing away what I was feeling and not saying it. And there's really something about verbalizing what's happening in you and to you or what's happened around you. You know, there's something so incredibly powerful about that. And I kind of mentioned that last week in the, in the last podcast that when we have the ability to express what's happening on the inside and what's happened to us, it's like a game changer. And you know, think about all of the generations that have been silent. It's like, you're told you just need to, oh, man, I had a client that actually said this to me the other day. They said, you're just supposed to like, forget about it, like move on and forget about it. And I'm like, huh, well, try and tell that to your body when something passes by that triggers it. Tell your body just to forget about it. That ain't gonna happen. <laughs> your body remembers whether you consciously remember it or not. And your body will react regardless if you say to yourself, oh, just forget about it. It will remember. It does remember. In fact, it is literally the most incredible hard drive you could ever imagine. <laughs> it has files stored away from generations past. Oh yeah, absolutely it does. So with that being said, like, what do we do about this? The fact that we were past trauma and pain and grief that was not processed that was maybe slightly mentioned. What do we do about that? Well, you get two choices. You either get to choose to do what your parents did and their forefathers and all that, your forefathers, their forefathers, your for whatever. You either get to choose that or you get to choose the harder road, which is to face it and feel it. Now, the really cool benefit about facing and feeling and dealing is that once you start your journey of, of healing this stuff, 
man, you guys, I got to tell you, you can have a new marriage with the same person that you've had trauma and pain with. I'm, I'm a living testimony of that. You can have, uh, you know, a new life, like what you wanted. And think about the life that you desire, that you long for. How do you get there? And why aren't you living there and that life that you long for? Like what is stopping you from living that life? Well, I would say it's the three things that I've been mentioning. And we don't just not do things because we don't want to always. Often it's because we feel stuck or trapped or too scared. And we have to make the choice to heal. That's the only way forward. There is no way around it. I wish there was. I wish we could take a magic pill, eat some chips and salsa, I don't know, <laughs> and make it all better. But the reality is, that's not how this works. You know, with healing, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. But you have to decide for yourself when it comes to your healing, do you want like a fast food type of result? You know, because a fast food result is like McDonald's, which is nasty. You're, you're going to get, you know, a Big Mac and fries. And it's funny because the idea of that always sounds appealing. It's like, ooh, that sounds good. Or you see a commercial with like the, the Big Mac and the fries and you're like, oh, that looks so good. And then you get in there and it's always, always a downer. It's, it looks nothing like the video that they've been showing, the ad that they've been showing. It's like, it's the worst thing. Or do you want that slow cooked intentional type of meal for your healing? where each piece is delicately picked out and specialized for a specific purpose in your healing journey, where it's like you can savor what you are experiencing. And this is really the difference between, you know, this, I, I just need to get done quickly and get through it versus taking your time and understanding it takes time. If you think about it from the perspective of generations that have not dealt with pain and trauma and unprocessed grief, that is many generations of unhealed genetics, okay? So it's gonna take time for you to heal because you don't even know the things that are yours and the things that are not yours. Like, how do you know that the pain that you're feeling right now is yours and not genetically passed to you? How do you know if what happened to you as a little kid that like you have full memory of what happened and like, how are you going to do, how are you going to remember all that if you don't go slow? And, and on top of that, can you even handle 
what is coming up. That takes time when it's been in the background for a really long time. We call it with our groups, we call them um, darkened and disconnected from ourselves and from others and from God. Now, depending on how far back it's been pushed, you know, is going to determine how long it takes to get to each part of you that has been darkened and disconnected. So, you know, imagine, um, imagine burying a treasure. If it's been buried down a hundred feet and at each point you get like a little map or a clue to keep digging in a certain direction, that map is, it doesn't mean that you haven't made progress. It just means that it's going to take a little longer to get to each spot just because you didn't find, you know, the treasure yet doesn't mean that what you did gain in each dig wasn't substantial or meaningful. Each part of your process is like digging a little further and we need the process. And I think it's, really by God's grace, because a lot of the things that, you know, even I've uncovered, uncovered in myself and, you know, even with my clients, like, oh my gosh, I have like each part of me had to be prepared for the, some of those things that came up. And sometimes they take a little bit longer than what we'd like. If you can just look at the journey of healing as it's a forever journey on this earth. But what you're gifting, you're gifting yourself with healing, which will bring you to a deeper level of connection with those that you long to be connected with. That's number one. And then number two, you're passing healing down to the generations. Like how amazing would it have been for you to have had a clean slate? How amazing would it have been for you to not have the addiction, to not have the fear of abandonment, to not have these attachment wounds? I mean, seriously, how amazing would it have been if the generations before you would have been able to give you a clean slate? And here it is before you, a choice. And what will you choose? And I'm curious, even about our choices, like what makes you choose not to get the healing? You know, is it fear? Are you afraid to find what's under there? And I got to tell you, even if you're afraid to find it, it's there whether you're afraid to find it or not. You know, is it, uh, you just don't want to look at it. I don't know. Does it seem too hard? And I would say, have you ever had real connection? Because living connected lists 
and disconnected. I don't even know if that's a word, connectedless. Disconnected from yourself and others. To me, that feels like prison. <laughs> we we had a, we've been seeing a EFT therapist, which has been so good for my husband and I. And we were, we were just talking about this huge relational win that we had. And I just, I'm, I'm literally, I'm sitting here and I just want to cry because I told the therapist, I don't know how in the heck we lived. We were so disconnected. And I look back, I, I was disconnected for myself, my kids, my husband, my husband was absolutely disconnected from me and himself and any other person on the earth. I mean, he would describe his experience like uh, being a spectator and not a participant in life. That was his experience. And so I'm like looking back now and we have this beautiful, imperfect connection. And I'm like, I don't even, I didn't even know this existed, let alone with a person that did betray me. And that is feeling very distant from me now. Like I almost don't even recognize that life anymore. It's so crazy. And yet we're experiencing this beautiful connection and I can't even believe we were able to physically survive and sit in a such a disconnected relational state because connection is for our survival. And I'm just like, how many people can I tell about this, that real connection is possible no matter what you've been through, no matter what your generations have been through before you, it's possible. And that's what we're fighting for here. You see, it's not, it was never about anything else. Do you understand? Like all of this life is about all we have. The only thing that we can hold and take with us is the love and connection that we felt. The money won't make it better. The stuff, the cars, none of that. None of that will ever fulfill the deepest longing inside of us, which is to be whole and healed and connected. The whole and healedness, that is so we can be connected because the deepest longing of everything is connection. And we cannot provide connection to anyone alone ourselves or God without that. And as I'm even saying this, I'm just feeling the, the sadness of years that I personally have lost by not even knowing that connection was my deepest longing. I had no idea because I was never taught or experienced that. But even if you're not taught or experiencing it, it is still the deepest longing of your heart, each and every single one of us. And, you know, when I think about, when I think about Jesus, like that was the thing, that was it, just the connection. That was what was lost in the garden. It wasn't that, you know, it, it wasn't just a sin factor. The sin was what had disconnected us. 
It's what had darkened us. We all want to focus on the sin and not understand the main purpose was to have eternal connection. We are wired for connection. It's in our DNA. And so without us getting the healing, we stay in that disconnected state from ourselves, God, and others. And I tell the tell you guys this almost every time because it's so vital. And then so what are we going to do? Are we going to pass disconnection down and dissociation down? I mean, that's what my husband grew up with was l- great levels of disassociation. Lights are on and nobody's home. Definitely passed down many generations. And we've had a fight really hard. Is it perfected yet? Absolutely not. My kids will have their own healing to do for sure. Oh, God knows for sure. But what I'm normalizing in their life is the process of healing. My daughter sees her own coach. Yep, she processes through our same type of dynamics of coaching because that's what brought me the most tremendous healing. And that's what I noticed blesses and heals other people to real transformation. So what is it that you want like going into the new year? For me, every year from now on is to be more connected to myself, God, and others by doing the hard work of healing. So what is it for you that you want for your family, for you, for the future generations? Will you be the catalyst of change? I hope that this has impacted you. It's so important to be that catalyst. Thanks for listening. If you have found today's podcast helpful, please like, subscribe, and share. If you are interested in coaching with me, go to www.identitylife.coach. And you can also find me on Instagram, identity.life.coach.